Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another magnificent episode of the MMA Archive. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, checking out what we have going on over here. I got another really special episode for you guys today, delving into UFC 16, Battle at the Bayou. Um, loving the direction the UFC is headed in at the moment. I think there's a lot of top talent still coming in at this point in history as well as establishing these smaller weight classes, which you love to see. Um, so the highlights for this week's event, we've got a lightweight tournament, which is 170 pounds. So this is actually the introduction of welterweight, uh, but they're calling it lightweight, so we'll call it lightweight. Um, there's going to be two super fights as well, one in the heavyweight class, the other in the middleweight class, as well as Frank Shamrock defending his middleweight title for the first time against Igor Zinoviev. So we got a stacked card, man. And I was really pumped for this one because if you know anything about my current MMA fandom, um, a lot of it is centered around the smaller weight classes. I think they deliver the action in a way that the larger weight classes can't simply just can't reproduce. I, I feel like those smaller weight classes bring a mix of speed and power that you don't really see at those higher weight classes that make for some awesome, exciting fights. Uh, so really excited to dive right into this one with all of you. Let's get right into it, man. The first bout of the night. So let's keep this in mind. I always make sure to, to mention all of this. Um, this one took place at March 13th. Sorry, on March 13th, 1998 at the Pontchate pont chartrain center in kenner louisiana usa our tv announcers are mike goldberg and jeff blatnick with our octagon announcer being bruce buffer and our post-fight interviews coming from the great joe rogan so we got the band together baby can't wait to hear joe rogan on commentary but he does a great job with the interviews and sort of setting the stage for the broadcast uh, which you love to see cool seeing his pivotal role back then um so the first bout of this night was between laverne clark and josh stewart unfortunately there was no footage of this bout for me so there wasn't really much i could do on that front um which sucks I'm not gonna lie really sucks i hate when this happens uh but you got to do what you got to do right so we move on um the next fight of the night was also a lightweight alternate bout between Chris Brennan and, excuse me, Courtney Turner. Unfortunately, as was the case with the other alternate bout, I couldn't find footage on either of these. So unfortunately, we're down to a six fight main card, uh, which I'll be covering in depth. So the first fight of the night that I was able to watch, able to witness and take part in, uh, it was between Mike burnett and eugenio tato but before i get into that let me just quickly read um the methods of victory for the alternate bout so laverne clark wins via tko at a minute and 15 and chris brennan wins via armbar at four minutes and 20 seconds you love to see that final number 420 just please next up as i mentioned mike burnett versus Eugenio Tado. This is the first matchup taking place at 170 pounds. 
And this was a fun one, man. This is a real fun one. So Mike Burnett standing at five foot six, 170 pounds, while Eugenio Tado is standing at five foot eight and 160 pounds. Um, looking back at this one, there's no way that Tado is five foot eight. He's shorter. <laughs> He's actually shorter than Mike Burnett. Um, so there's no way. If you ask me, these guys look like um jacked out of their mind flyweights like <laughs> size wise that that's about what they're kicking with which is pretty funny um when you consider this is 170 um so i'm sure there was some supplements to go around everyone had their fair share <laughs> and we're getting busy so you can't complain right um <clears throat> This is Mike Burnett's UFC debut. He's fighting out of the Lions Den, obviously a much famed camp, especially with Frank Shamrock defending his title in the main event. Eugenio Tado, this is his UFC debut. He's fighting out of Brazil. His last fight with Henzo Gracie ended prematurely due to a brawl in the stands. So obviously that one didn't take place in the UFC. It took place in Brazil somewhere. Um, but just hilarious that they noted that on the broadcast, and that was, you know, noteworthy news, uh, even back then. Uh, always keeping track of what the Gracies are doing and what they're up to, clearly, um, is the UFC. So, when this fight started, man, I was ready for a barn burner because that's what these weight classes provide, like, let's be real. Um, but... They came out like bats out of hell, which is super fun to watch, man. Not super technical in the striking department, both of these guys, actually. Um, but both knowing what to do to, A, do damage, and B, um, force the issue, which is always fun in these kind of matchups. So Burnett comes out looking to land that straight right. Throwing it with authority, uh, Eugenio ducks right under it and lands a beautiful double leg takedown really smooth uh loving that and then transitions to a front headlock position they end up right back up on their feet right after that so this is super fast transitions um stuff that we're not really used to seeing to be frank from the larger weight classes just because you'll see a takedown there'll be a settling into that position uh not at all at this weight class man everyone is just um super quick super agile and super technical so getting past those uh, moments of success seems much more frequent, which makes for a lot more parody in these fights, which in my opinion, that's what makes fights interesting. Um, why I want to watch one dude just getting absolutely his shit pushed in uh, when you could see competitive fights like these. So <clears throat> Burnett, beautiful, beautiful job getting back to his feet after the takedown. He landed a nice knee on the clinch as they separated. Um, but Eugenio is looking to throw on the clinch break, which is something that I love to see. Um, a really good opportunity to catch your opponent off guard in what is already a standard position, some a place that you end up in most of the time anyway. So um, might as well throw that, throw those punches out on the break, see if they land, see if you catch your opponent off guard. It's worth the effort, if you ask me. Um, and literally just off of these exchanges so far, I'm like, this solidify this weight class like this, this weight class needs to be in the ufc because this is a barn burner already um Berlant ends up landing some nice combinations on the feet but eugenio is a tank dude is just eating it and coming forward um Burnett ends up landing a beautiful uppercut left hook combo that stuns eugenio um 
But well, uh, shout out to Eugenio, man. I love this guy because he gets hit, gets rocked pretty bad. And his response is just to run forward with his chin in the air until he's able to secure the clinch, like just running at him, trying to grab him. Obviously not the most technical answer, uh, but you got to love the heart there. He feels himself sort of on the edge, so to speak, and then just immediately um, doing what he can to separate that distance. Um, <clears throat> but they they end up throwing some vicious uppercuts on the clinch, both of them landing, and then eventually Eugenio ducks in to try and shoot for a takedown. Burnett grabs up the guillotine. Um, Eugenio is able to get out, but Burnett gets top position from that scramble. He works his way to pass, but keeps getting caught in Eugenio's guard. So a nice little parody there. Um, really good body-head combinations from Burnett, opening up um, Eugenio's guard, just landing big shots from top position. Um, those hooks to the head, I mean, you could hear them super thudding, big shots, um, and eventually Joe Hamilton ends up separating them for what is considered a break. Um, but... Um, didn't really didn't really agree with that one to be honest i i think they could have waited a little bit longer um to 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 let that position work out but it's obvious why they did it we're trying to get some action here and that's exactly what unfolded as soon as they got back on the feet it just turned into a freaking brawl uh Eugenio rushed into the clinch again and gets tagged with a right hand uppercut from the single collar tie that literally like shocks his system, like almost knocks him out. Um, you could see him sort of fighting um, consciousness a little bit. And every time he ends up getting hit big, it like wakes him up and makes him rush hard in order to make a more even position or stop um, the offensive onslaught by smothering it, if that makes sense. Um Eugenio ends up throwing two huge uppercuts, but Burnett was able to separate, and you could see <laughs> on the separation, even though Eugenio just landed two big shots, that Burnett has him hurt, and he's just wobbling, walking forwards towards uh, Burnett at all costs. Um, Mike Burnett ends up landing a nice straight left, and then a left hook. Weird combination, not a combination you see all the time, um, but super, super accurate and rocks back Eugenio. And as soon as he gets hit with that left hook, he sort of like starts up. The The only way I, I wrote it down is he, he hit him with the why I oughta because he just looked charged up like he stumbles forward right into a clinch. And um, Burnett ends up landing another big right uppercut that buzzes him again follows it up with an uppercut left hook. And then finally, Joe Hamilton steps in between. He saw enough, stops the fight at nine minutes and 45 seconds. And Mike Burnett wins via TKO punches. This is a hell of a debut for 170 pounds. Like, even though they were smaller, as I mentioned, these dudes were both fucking jacked and uh, fighting for your damn money, uh, which you love to see. Both of these guys really had no quitting them especially Eugenio after getting hurt early and often uh, was just coming forward and trying to trying to will himself back into it by getting in grappling situations. Uh, but you could tell Mikey Burnett working with a bunch of grapplers in the lines, then uh, does a stellar job of keeping them at bay and then landing big shots. So I really love the dynamic of these fights. They're much more 
complete as far as game plan and as far as just the things each fighter is looking for. It's not like one person has one path to victory and that's it. Um, but it's clear for the most part that <clears throat> they're doing everything that they can to really give themselves the best quote unquote advantage in this case, um, Mike Burnett being a grappler as well, but more of a striker than Eugenio is doing everything he can to pursue that avenue instead of going and just trying to be more well-rounded trying to outgrapple Eugenio uh which you love to see good fight IQ makes for good fights um so that one's fun man I loved it let's go on to our next lightweight matchup so our second semifinal in the lightweight tournament is between Pat Militich and Townsend Sanders um Sa Townsend is an Olympic silver medalist in wrestling, and this is both men's UFC debut. You might have heard of Pat Miletic, um for many reasons. Um, making his debut here. Um, Miletic ends up at some point becoming a champion here in the UFC, so it's a notable name for that. Also partook in um, the insurrection on January 6th. Um, <laughs> oh i laugh because it's just so 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 ridiculous and the fact that he admitted to it as well is hilarious um just incriminating yourself in in the year of our lord 2022 uh but gotta give it to pat militich man regardless of his views regardless of whatever i don't agree with that he subscribes to uh he's a hell of a fighter and that's what matters here right that's what we're watching so Pat Militich standing at 5'10, 170 pounds. Townsend Sanders, 5'5, 170 pounds. Townsend jacked, obviously, in order to fill out that frame. Um, but a little bit of a mismatch here, if you ask me, just size-wise. Um, as I mentioned, Townsend looks like he could compete at flyweight. Like literally. Um, while Militich actually does look like a welterweight. Um just got to say off the top, man, I love Pat Militich's stance, dude. He has a really long boxing stance, um, but he ducks down and stays real low to the ground. Uh, so it gives him a good base to defend takedowns. Um, not very common at this point in time, but off rip out of anyone. I feel like him and Marco Huas in the early UFC stood out to say like, hey, this man has a solid stance as far as his combinations and striking. So um, Militich starts to fight throwing a straight right and ends up in an over-under clinch, obviously with the clinch-happy um, Townsend and Sanders. They trade knees on the clinch break, which you love to see. Sanders a little bit smaller, as I mentioned, so it's hard for him to get that knee up. So he actually needs to be in the clinch while throwing it. So Militich does a really good job of landing and then separating to, to keep himself out of danger from those returning knees, uh, which you love to see. He ends up landing a nice sneaky uppercut that you could see sort of caught Saunders by surprise on the half beat as they were separating. Militich keeps drawing him in a distance, which I love to see. Um, in that low stance, lancing him with right hands across the chin as he tries to advance forward. Um, just a really good preventative offensive measure while also keeping your opponent at bay. Um, Militich starts tripling up the jab, just looking to set up big shots with the right hand. Um, he ends up landing a straight right that hurts Saunders and Saunders rushes forward and he 
tries to blast him uh, with a knee right up the middle. It doesn't land flush, but lands sort of to the chest. And Saunders grabs it and blasts right through it to secure a single leg takedown. Uh, gotta love the tenacity there from Sanders to work his way through that um, tide shift, so to speak. Uh, but Saunders works Militich towards the cage on the ground, controls him well from his guard, stacks him, starts landing some punches from top position. Clearly, this is his world and where he wants to be. Um, Militich ends up doing a nice little scissor sweep, um, but Saunders quickly regains his balance, grabs onto the single leg again as Militich tries to get up towards the fence. Eventually, Militich inverts to attack a leg, uh, but wasn't able to secure it. And from there, just working in full guard again, Militich ends up in a position to attack for an Ezekiel choke from full guard, which, for those of you that don't know, it's the same rear naked choke grip, um, but it's from bottom position. Or you could do it from top position as well. We saw, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Alexi Olenek pulled that off a couple times in the UFC. But this one specifically, he was on his back in full guard trying to lock up this choke, um, which we've seen uh, Olenek do multiple times. So I was like, oh, he's in danger there. Um, cool to be aware of that as a fan because a lot of the times it's just like, oh, he's holding him. He's holding him. Well, he's actually going for a submission here. Um but unfortunately, he's not able to finish it. That would have been an insane moment early on. I was kind of hoping for it when watching it because obviously I don't know the results of these fights when I'm watching them the first time. Uh, so it's really cool to sort of theorize what could have happened, what could have, would have, should have as these bouts play out. Um, on the ground, though, in the guard, Militic is doing a great job of occupying Saunders's wrists as he's trying to control and then landing shots from the bottom, just being active. Uh, being annoying and uh, stifling his offense while also landing some punches of his own. Um, Militich was being controlled for a long time. I'm going to be clear. It's probably about five minutes straight. Um, he ends up attacking with an arm bar, but couldn't get it. Eventually, he lands a sick, sick balloon sweep. I, I popped for this one um, where Sanders was sort of upright over the top of Militich. Militich grabs both of his ankles and sits up at the same time so that the, he follows through with the momentum, ends up on top. Uh, you'll have to see that. Just a beautiful transition there. Opportunity, uh, opportunist as well, in order to find that position. And from there, um, where am I? Sorry. <laughs> Uh, man, he ends up lifting him from there into half guard and then slices his knee through straight into mount. Militich starts attacking a key lock, but gets reversed. Sanders is on top once again, so that was a nice little transition there. Um, I thought Militich was going to start getting his offense off there in a big way, uh, but Sanders ends up getting on top beautifully, uh, maintains top control until Joe Hamilton finally separates them to end the 12-minute regulation period. Um, so in comes the first overtime uh, round of any lightweight fight, which you love to see. Uh, Sandra starts the round with a slapping leg kick to the thigh. Uh, they end up tied up with both men trying to land knees. Militits ends up driving him to the fence and continuing to land knees from there. 
using the fence to his advantage, grabbing it, holding him there a little bit. You know, little dirty tactics, but all smart things to do when you're the bigger man in the cage. Um, Saunders tries to reverse against the fence and eventually shoots a takedown, but Militic shrugs it off. Saunders separates from Militic and throws a leg kick that gets caught, and from there, uh, Militic takes him down. Um... Saunders separates. Militich throws a kick. Sorry, it was it was Pat Militich. So Pat Militich throws a light kick. Saunders grabs the ankle, ends up on top, and ends overtime throwing punches. I thought this was a really close fight. Um, I could see how, with these old rules, um, that the judges could give it to Townsend Sanders. But I personally thought that Pat Militich won due to the amount of damage. Um, as well as just the sheer um, the sheer amount of like tenacity, like he's doing everything he can to finish in these positions and clearly is the more damaging fighter of the two. Uh, so that's why I gave him the nod. Um, but at the same time, control does matter. And there was a significant amount of time where he was being controlled by Townsend Sanders. Um Eventually, the judges render the decision, and Pat Militich wins via split at 15 minutes in the full bout. So just a big win there for Pat Militich in a real close, gritty fight. Um, something to keep your eye on, considering obviously he's supposed to be fighting Mike Burnett later on in the night, um, just gas-wise, considering the kind of uh, matchup it's been so far, definitely could be more fatigued than usual. So something to look out for. Next up, our middleweight featured super fight between Kevin Jackson, who's standing at 5'10", 199 pounds, and Jerry Bolander, who's standing at 5'11", 199. Jerry is 4-1 in the UFC, while Kevin Jackson is 2-1 and, and got submitted his last time out against Frank Shamrock for the belt. So he is looking for redemption here. Um, and I was hyped about this one too, just cause I love watching Kevin Jackson fight. The dude is jacked out of his mind, um, carries as much, uh, wrestling accolades with him into the cage as you possibly can while also just being an absolute fucking madman. So shout out to Kevin Jackson. Always fun to watch. Um, as this fight starts, Jackson's comes out looking for the Southpaw jab. Uh, Boland is trying to set up his straight right from Orthodox. Jerry ends up throwing a punch that made him sort of fall off balance. And uh, Jackson took full advantage, lunged forward, and ends up in top position. Um, and it wasn't even a, necessarily a takedown, just sort of barreled over him um, and ended up on top. Jerry tries to set up an armbar from there, but he doesn't have the angle with Jackson doing a really good job of stacking him up against the fence. Um Good to see him making those adjustments, obviously, after losing early to the arm bar in his last fight. Um, Jerry keeps inverting for it, though, man. He's attacking it, and he has it. He has it really fully extended, and it looks pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. It looks really bad. Uh, Jackson ends up turning over and giving up a front headlock position and just entirely scrambling out of that position, which was exciting as hell because obviously this is something that he's had trouble with so seeing him exercise these demons so to speak and fight out of these positions is a really good sign for his development in general which is not something that to be frank has been on display so far in the early ufc um 
Jackson ends up landing some elbows to Jerry's back from that sprawled position. Uh, but Jerry ends up taking a chance to stand up. So we're back on the feet again. Um, quickly, they end up tying up, though. And Jackson ends up sprawled on Jerry Bolander's uh, back once again. He eventually takes top position from there and starts hammering Jerry. I think it was like a half guard that he stepped his leg into. Um, <clears throat> Jackson ends up trying to set up a head and arm choke, uh, but he can't really get the angle from where they are. And they end up sort of stalemated there while Jackson is on top. Big John McCarthy sees enough and decides to stand them back up. Jerry Bolander just lunges right forward as soon as they're on the break and ends up tied up again in the clinch. Jackson immediately takes him down in sort of a head and arm throw position, uh, something that we see often in women's MMA. And Jerry, sneaky, man. Like, you could tell this guy gets really good reps in grappling-wise with his team. I think he's also a member of the Lions then. Um, but just sneaky, puts the hooks in, to take Jackson's back, even though Kevin Jackson is still on top in that front headlock, um, just setting himself up to take the back as soon as that position is null and void. Jackson just trapping the, um, sorry, not Jackson, J Jerry Bolander's trapping the arm and trying to attack for the arm bar, but Jackson is doing a really good job of just playing prevent defense and staying on top, just grinding on him. Eventually, Jerry is able to get back into full guard and jumps on the arm bar again and has it fully extended. Now, this one was scary because the arms were the arm was fully extended. The legs were fully across the body. So this is like dead to rights mechanically, right? Like this is the proper position to get the arm bar. And it looks bad. Like, it, don't get me wrong. It looks fucking bad. And Jackson's wincing and everything. Um, but. Jackson never taps here. And I think that's important to note because he didn't scream or anything like that. There wasn't a verbal tap. Um, but Big John McCarthy stops the fight from the arm bar at 10 minutes and 23 seconds. And immediately Jackson is pissed, gets up screaming at um, John McCarthy. He's like, no, like it wasn't, I didn't tap. Like it's not over. And Big John screams back at him. He's like, I can't let you, I can't let him break that arm. And I found that so weird. Like, so, so weird. Like, don't get me wrong. I I am for stopping submissions if they're fully locked in. Especially, especially um, with joint locks and things like that. Just because they can be much more devastating. Sort of saving the fighter for themselves. From themselves, I should say. But the reality of it is, if someone isn't, um, if someone isn't tapping or has not conceded to that L, um, in my opinion, it's really hard to justify that stoppage. Now, in the case of sort of something we'll see later on in history, um, I'm trying to remember his name. I feel terrible now. I just forgot his name. It was between Andre Arlovsky and Tim Sylvia. And he ends up getting an arm bar. Herb Dean sees it snap, and that's why he stops it. And the same reaction was given, but then you could see on the replay that he did break his arm. Um, there was no snapping or anything like that in this fight. Um, so that also just makes Jackson's protest look all the much better. Um, 
this was a real close one. Like, it was a bang-bang play. I can't be too mad at Big John for stopping it, but at the same time, it was a premature stoppage. Kevin Jackson didn't tap, and regardless of whether or not he was in pain and gritting, he was gritting it out, you know? Uh, so you got to give him the benefit of the doubt there. Might not have been fully locked in. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but either way, tough break for Kevin Jackson. <clears throat> and Jerry Bolander wins via armbar at 10 minutes and 23 seconds. So that was a fun one. That was a real fun one. Not going to lie. Uh, but let's get back to this lightweight tournament, man. Our next fight in the lightweight tournament. Unfortunately, Mike Burnett had to withdraw with an injury. So Pat Militich is coming up against Chris Brennan. This is actually the second time that they fought. The first time they fought, it went to a draw. The second went to a 30-minute decision, which Pat Militich won. Uh, so I'm expecting a real close matchup in this one. <laughs> As I mentioned, Chris ended up taking Burnett's place after he had to withdraw due to injuries. So Chris, Chris Brennan is standing at 5'8", 168 pounds. Pat Militich, 5'10", 170 pounds. As soon as the fight starts, Pat's staying on the outside. Chris is pressuring in with strikes, throwing one-twos to separate, I mean, to close the distance, uh, but not really landing too much on that front. Uh, eventually, Pat Militich throws a really nice leg kick that Chris ends up catching the ankle and getting a takedown from. So just seeing that again from the same same position from the, the fight earlier on against Townsend. Uh, but still love to see that he's throwing the kick anyway. I think that's important, giving that threat in the octagon. Uh, but they end up scrambling up to their feet. Chris secures a guillotine and drops back for it. Militus pops his head out and ends up on top in guard. Uh, Chris ends up landing some sneaky elbows to the head while Pat Melitich is controlling, landing body-head combinations. Uh, eventually, Pat submits him with what looks to be an arm triangle choke from Mount. Um, it was against the fence, so he was able to get that leverage. He didn't have to go all the way into side control. Um, if you ask me, it looked more so like a, a Von Pru grip. Shout out to Ovin St. Pru. Love, love naming it after him, but obviously the Von Flu choke, which is a counter to the guillotine. It looked more like that than a head and arm choke, if that makes sense. Uh, watch it back. Uh, but they called it a head and arm choke. I'll call it a head, head and arm choke. That's fine because you can't really have a Von Pru without having the guillotine counter, right? So um, similar, similar positioning, though. That's why I, I named it that way. But... Pat Melitich gets the submission from Mount at 9 minutes and 2 seconds, making him the lightweight tournament champion. Um, obviously, just a big name, living up to that big name. Excited to see what comes um, for the future of this division, uh, just because these fights have been all fun as hell, even if they have been a little bit of grappling-centric. Um, I think the the action, the scrambles, the maneuvering, it's all much more exciting, in my opinion, than the 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 bigger weight classes. Um, not trying to shit on the big boys, obviously. I'm I'm a part of that group. Um, but just the reality of it is there's more um, things to be seen, things to be done, etc. in these matchups, and that's what makes them super exciting. Uh, so can't go wrong with some good lightweight fights or welterweight, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but that's it for the lightweight tournament. Next up, our heavyweight. Featured bout 
between Kimo Leopoldo and Suyoshi Kosaka. That one was a tough one for me to say. OTK. Um, Kimo standing at 6'1", 250, clearly back on the roids, which you love to see. Just gassed out of his mind. Uh, even bigger than he was in his pride fight, which, excuse me, excuse me, that was disgusting. But that's really saying something. If you come in bigger than your last fight in Pride, uh, you're you're on all of the all of the supplements. Um, this Kosaka making US, his UFC debut, while Kimo is one and two in the UFC with his last fight being a draw against Dan Severn at Pride One. Um, next the next event Pride Two, by the way, which I am so pumped, so so pumped for. Can't wait to cover that one and see what the hell is in store for me because i know that those pride fights always deliver um so yeah <clears throat> let's get right into it chemo comes out landing left hooks big left hooks by the way uh kosaka ends up inverting on a leg uh, but chemo does a good job of stacking his attempts chemo ends up dropping back to attack a heel hook of his own um, but eventually lets it go and pushes Kosaka up against the fence. Um, he lands a nice outside trip takedown, which was super smooth. Um, I love when outside trips get landed like that. And then you see that they did a good job of keeping their posture so that the head is pause, but that their head is very uh, stiff <laughs> in order to secure the top position and end up on their opponent's chest. That's a big part of that takedown because if your head is not anchoring them, they can easily make a scramble and get out. Um, so that was really cool to see. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Kimo does a great job of controlling that top position. Uh, Kosaka tries to attack a heel hook, but Kimo does a good job of getting out of it. Kimo ends up mounting Kosaka. Um, Kosaka's doing a good job to use the fence to stay out of trouble. Eventually, Kosaka attacks that leg again from the bottom of full mount, which causes a scramble and forces them to get back up to their feet. Uh, so that was a really good play, really good move um, from Kosaka to take advantage of that little scramble. Kimo shoots straight in again for a takedown. No, no, I'm sorry. I skipped a bunch of stuff. I'm the worst. Um, Kimo keeps throwing that left hand and eventually starts getting countered for it, which I did not expect. Uh, Kosaka starts landing nice leg kicks to the front leg of Kimo literally just chopping him down. And eventually you could see that damage accumulating. Um, and in the last two minutes of regulation, these dudes just start going to war, just exchanging punches on the feet. Kimo's going forward, shooting in um, left hands, left hooks specifically, and then just getting countered like immediately after. So like he'll throw the left hook, mink, and then just get cracked by Kosaka. And then Kosaka will look kind of surprised. Like he's like, oh shit, it's working. Um, I know that he was working with Maurice Smith for this fight, the former heavyweight champion. So obviously that's someone... Uh, always good to work with when trying to get down some new skills in that front. Uh, so that was really good to see. Um, <laughs> uh, but eventually, Kimo ends up getting separated because it is now time for the overtime round. Um, so it ends up 
ending in this wild brawl on the feed, kind of hard to determine who's who has a commanding lead after the uh, regulation period. So it's really going to come down to the overtime, which you love to see. Um, makes for exciting, dramatic fights, right? Um, and as soon as the overtime period starts, uh, Kimo shoots right in for a takedown. Uh, Kosaka sprawls right on top of him and stands up. But as they stand, just lands a beautiful, I said beautiful, beautiful and brutal mixed together. Gives you beautiful. <laughs> he landed a, a beautiful uh, right knee right to the chin of Kimo as Kimo standing up, which is the worst place to take it, just in transition. And Kimo just eats it, just gobbles it for breakfast <laughs> and immediately goes for another takedown that gets stuffed again. And Kosaka lands the knee again, this time to the chest. I'm like, man, he's giving you all the incentives to not do that shit again. And Kimo's just a dog, which you love to see, uh, respect, because those are tough shots to eat and keep coming forward. Eventually, um, Kosaka throws a leg kick and Kimo plows right through it, securing a takedown and working his way to mount. So we're here again, man. Uh, Kosaka taking his time to, to throw some big punches from the bottom that ends up landing pretty hard. You could see they they got the attention of Kimo, even though he's on top. Um, Kimo eventually sits back for an armbar, but doesn't have it, letting Kosaka get on top. And you could see in Kimo's face when he dropped back that he wasn't getting out of that position. Like, that was his last-ditch effort. And when Kosaka got on top, it was kind of like, fuck. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> like, like, I let it go. And if you ask me, that was the biggest moment of the fight because it really cost him. Uh, Kosaka gets on top, controls well for the rest of the round, landing shots from top position, and goes on to win a unanimous decision. And I think it really all came down to that decision of dropping back for an armbar that he didn't fully have. Because if he didn't, um, I feel like this fight could have gone on much longer. I feel like there there could have, well, not much longer because we're in overtime, but it could have gone much differently because it was so even going into that part of the fight uh, that it really just mattered who took that overtime period. And up until that moment where he goes back for the armbar, he's controlling on top. He's doing what he needs to do, even though he got caught with some big knees early on. Um, He's doing a good job to sort of mitigate that early big play to bring things back in his favor. And without dropping back for the armbar, I'm not sure he loses this fight. Uh, so tough break there for Kimo. He falls to one and three and a big win uh, for Soyushi Kosaka. Now, finally, the middleweight title bout between Frank Shamrock and Igor Zinoviev. This is Frank Shamrock's first defense of his title, coming in off the 16-second armbar versus Kevin Jackson. Igor Zinoviev is making his UFC debut. Both of these guys are jacked, but I will admit Frank Shamrock has to be off of the same uh, supplements that his brother's on, because those dudes are both a special kind of jacked. Um, chiseled out of stone, like you see every single... Every muscle <laughs> is defined on these dudes. Like, they are... Fucking jacked. Um, 
So this one starts out high octane offense as always from these lower weight classes. Frank lands a two big leg kicks uh, to start the fight. He's circling away, landing to the front leg of Igor. Igor ends up rushing in behind the combination because of the threat of those leg kicks. Um, but doesn't land much on the way in. Frank ducks under, shoots shoots a double leg, secures it beautifully, and swings him over in the air. Shout out to that meme where that guy's like, and then he swung his body. That that's what it reminded me of, because he just fl- like he flipped him in the air, so that when he was coming down, all the momentum was towards Igor's head, and just blitzes him. I mean. They land into the slam right onto Igor's neck and knocks him out cold, man. Frank Shamrock wins again in quick fashion with a slam TKO at 22 seconds of the first round. This one is one that gets shown often on highlight reels to this day. Like, it's just so smooth the way he picks him up effortlessly, turns him in midair. Like, it was deliberate on his part to to throw him in that way to try to land him on his neck which i thought was absolutely brutal um and just a very intentional violent finish uh which you don't typically see from slams um just a fucking awesome way to to really continue this legacy from 16 second armbar to 22 second slam tko in your next fight like you're making a name for yourself for sure and it's undoubtable now. Like, we got to watch out for your fights. So UFC 16 really delivered, man. Really delivered. There was a lot of fun fights, a lot of people introducing themselves to the fan base. And some old faces as well. Uh, but really good action. Like, I, I feel like the progression of the sport, so to speak, I hope it continues on this path because these guys are really putting their best foot forward as far as making these fights exciting and really pursuing the finish um, on the feet and on the ground, uh, which you love to see. So let's get right into my awards for this event. Fight of the night. So this one is tough. I'm not going to lie. This one is tough. Um, I think I got to give it, I think I got to give it to Kimo and Kosaka, man, because that fight was awesome. Like, it wasn't the best fight I've ever seen, not going to lie, but it was awesome. Like, it was a lot of back and forth. Um, So, you sorry, I'm just spelling this. Um, Kosaka, Kosaka, sorry. Yeah, that was a hell of a fight. Wasn't the best fight I've ever seen, but the parody, the back and forth, the way it ended like it went to decision but it really came down to the wire based on who would win there so that that's always exciting and really a a staple in good fights if you ask me so great finish to that one really excited and encouraged by the by the action um i think the, the ufc is in good hands man um i'm interested to see how they end up at the point where they sell because Action-wise, like, they have a good product. Next up, our performance of the night. This one's also a little hard just because 
all the different options, but I'm going to go with um, Pat Miletic versus Miletic versus um, Eugenio Tado. I just thought it was a very complete performance. Um, ends up getting the finish on the feet, uh, but really was picking them apart and sort of discourage them from, from going for the takedowns as well, which is always just a very um, demoralizing move. Really makes the wrestler double, triple think um, them being in there in the fire. So really good fight. Got to give my performance of the night to Pat Militich. Next up, our KO of the night. Got to give it to Frank Shamrock, man. I really wanted to give this uh, to Mike Burnett. Whoa. whoa. Before the wrong fight. I was thinking of... I'm so sorry, guys. So, so sorry. Um, Pat Militich versus... Um, for my performance of the night is not versus Tado. It's versus um, Townsend Sanders. It ended up being a, um, for all the same reasons, I was thinking of the same fight, but for some reason I, I gave the, I put the wrong name in. Um, Pat Militich just did a very good job of staying offensive but also defensively minded in his approach in order to give himself the best shot against a very clearly dominant wrestler uh, which i thought was awesome our ko of the night got to give it to frank shamrock frank shamrock against igor zinoviev i mean i kind of want to i hope they run this one back because i felt like we were in store for some shit like if it wasn't for that moment, like we were in store for some crazy shit, uh, which you always love to see. Uh, but just a awesome job capitalizing on that momentum and that specific moment uh, to really secure that nasty knockout there. So big move and big moment there for Frank Shamrock. Next up, our submission of the night. All right, so I, I've got two options here, right? Yeah, three options here, <sighs> but one of them didn't have footage, so that one doesn't count. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Jerry Bolander here, Jerry Bolander via armbar against versus Kevin Jackson. Obviously, Kevin Jackson a little susceptible to the armbar, but I thought he did a very good job defending it in this one and making him work for it, making him really find that position over and over again. It wasn't like he just gave it up to him, which is always a good sign. Um, but clearly, there's some deficiency there, and he needed that because without that, he was pretty much getting dominated. So the threat of the armbar was what kept him in the fight and being able to pull it off against someone who's just so freaking strong uh, you got to give it to him there. So that's it. UFC 16 in a nutshell. This this event was fun, man. I'm I'm really excited, as I mentioned before, to see what happens next in the, the history of MMA. Next up is Pride 2. 
So I'm excited to see what lineup they come up with as far as talents, who they can get to fight, and how that organization develops. And then also just really looking forward to the next UFC event um, because this one was awesome. Like, I'm really liking the smaller weight class renaissance is doing a lot to further the sport. Um, and the big boys are showing up too. Like the chemo Leopoldo fight was my fight of the night for a reason. They still show up. I'm not saying those fights are subpar. It's just a different sport. And that's not something you necessarily see all the time. I mean, in satellite sports like jujitsu and wrestling, smaller guys generally have more scrambles and things like that. So that's to be expected, but the parody there and just seeing that is really exciting stuff, man, really exciting. And I can't wait to see how that continues to develop in future UFC events. But just like that, the MMA archive is done. Uh, this was so fun. As always, it's a privilege to be here in front of all of you and continuing to do the damn thing. So thank you so much for all the support that I have received. It's honestly very humbling. Um, really what keeps me going as well as my love for this uh so when you have those two things matched up uh you can't complain at all so thank you so much again make sure you tune in next thursday for another episode of the mma archive and make sure you give me a follow at negron mma on twitter as well as chris negron underscore on instagram you could also check out all the shows that i do and my company does at ots media co on all platforms as well as ots media on youtube there's so much coverage from football basketball baseball i mean we got everything there as well as pop culture movies gaming there's so much going on on ots media so make sure you follow us wherever you can to get as much of this awesome sports coverage as well as lifestyle coverage you can get anywhere so please continue to support continue to show the love you show me proof of a five-star review send it my way i'll send you some cash and that's how it goes L quite literally i will quite literally send you some cash so please let's make that happen once again thank you so much for your time thank you so much for everything and i can't wait to be back again next week see ya